Hi, I'm Len Vermillion, Editorial Director at Heart Energy. I'm here with Jason Reinbold, Managing Director of Energy Investment Banking at BOK Financial based in Tulsa. Jason has taken the time out of his busy schedule to talk to us about the state of energy financing. Jason, thank you for being here. Hello, Len. Thank you for having me. So let's start by getting right to what everyone wants to know. Is energy still a good investment for lenders and also capital providers, especially given the volatility we've seen over the last two years? So why or why not? Well, Len, I appreciate the question. And in fact, the volatility is really what speaks to the opportunity. The recovery that we've seen in commodity prices, certainly since the pandemic, now at a level in excess of where we were for pricing pre-pandemic is really the root of the opportunity. Uh, when we look at operators now pursuing uh, the development of assets in a more economic environment, in addition to more supportive borrowing bases, as a result of that improved pricing, we are finding lending opportunities as well. Right. And of course, uh, energy is a very broad topic when we say that. Um, but in particular, in the um, case of oil and gas and natural gas, what are investors uh, really looking at as far as their financial decision factors, their final decisions? Well, again, it's somewhat tied to commodity prices and supportive okay. uh, pricing. Uh, we've seen, especially for natural gas, uh, a level that we haven't seen for many years. And now what were otherwise uneconomic uh, PUDs to drill are now starting to carry themselves over into economic categories. And we're starting to see some of that ongoing development. That's very encouraging, especially given the continued demand we have for this energy and now provides really an opportunity to open up a segment within our sector if you will, that otherwise was untapped at the lower price environment. Very, that's really interesting. Um, and we hear about a lot of various trends in the energy space right now at ESG. We hear people declaring net zero emissions, most notably. <clears throat> Can you talk about the trends that you see that are really of particular substance um, when, and then maybe some of those that really don't have a lot of staying power. There's just a lot of trends out there right now and buzzwords. Right, Len, I'm hearing all the same talk that you are and others in the industry. I think candidly, it's difficult to say which methods are going to have the most impact on our industry. We're continuing to explore different methods. And I think we could safely say that some of those are gonna be different from asset to asset, company to company, region to region. I have not seen from my own chair a direct impact yet, whether on a financing opportunity or in the investment bank transacting on a divestment, but it is something we are hearing more about. We'll continue to explore and work through this time of this transition with the rest of the industry, but otherwise we've not seen specifically any methods that we think are going to have the staying power that you spoke to. However, I think we can safely consider that we'll be looking for methods that are economic 
and obviously supportive to meet the ongoing demand for this energy. Okay. And I just wonder if I can follow up with that real quick. So, I mean, what are the trends out there that you're hearing? I mean, besides the two, maybe are there any that besides the two I mentioned? I, I think the first that we're really heard the most about so far would be sequestration of yeah. carbon and trying to achieve this net zero uh, mm -hmm. status, if you will. A lot of that, I think even this morning, I saw a headline from ExxonMobil, uh, mm -hmm. but their method was certainly uh, seemed to be geared around uh, making facilities more effective, more efficient. And I think that is a reasonable first step uh, mm -hmm. towards this uh, transition time. Right. Yeah, obviously sequestration is a big topic. We, we're covering that nonstop around here. <laughs> so, um, but let's talk about the other thing that's really big right now, the supply crunch. We keep hearing all about this. So we have Europe, you know, Europe needing natural gas, tankers changing course. You know, There's equipment supply issues for operations. Um, so what's the impact of all these supply woes, both for operations and on the demand side? Sure. You know, Len, they continue to be disruptions and disruptions within our industry, disruptions, I think, fair to say, in many industries right now, and certainly at the consumer level. I think all of us have experienced that personally. We continue to work through those. We've not seen directly, I think, its impact because it's unknown how long these disruptions will continue and to what extent. However, we've always been a very resourceful, pragmatic industry and been able to work through problems. And I expect us to work through these problems just as we have others in the past. Right. Um, you know, prices too, natural gas prices have surged. Uh, we're seeing oil in the 80s. Some expected at the hundreds by the end of the year. Nobody knows if that's good or bad. Well, I guess they have an opinion. Um, so how are these price surges affecting the market, in particular from your point of view, from the capital markets? So the higher commodity price has certainly been supportive uh, you know, for growing borrowing bases, uh, for providing opportunities for investors to make new investments, for operators to make new investments, to acquire properties and grow portfolios. And that's really what we spent a lot of our time working on since actually 2020. And so while the price surge has been supportive in those ways, where we have seen you know, some adverse impact is when we see a market change in commodity prices up or down that sometimes can impede uh, deal making. And so we continue to work through those, but it does seem that the volatility is less for now uh, than what it was in the earlier part of last year. Uh, be okay, of course, you're up there in Oklahoma. I'm sitting down here in Houston. We'll be up there in March, not shameless plug there for our Doug Pitt uh, I know you're over in Tulsa, but, um, you know, obviously the mid-continent, if you can give us maybe a little preview, what's, what's going on in the mid-continent as far as capital, um, you know, infusions, investment, and so forth, you know? Yeah, so, Len, of course, the mid-con is our own backyard. Mm -hmm. And the Energy Investment Bank last year transacted nearly half of our divestment engagements in the MidCon. So mm -hmm. I think that from where we are working, we can say that there's been a very active investment in this 
part of the region. Mm -hmm. And we're certainly happy to be a partner to our customers and clients, you know, in that regard. And the way the pipeline appears to be for right now, 2022 is shaping up to be more of the same. Wonderful. That's good news. Um, it's a very important region for the industry. So it's good to see the things are still going there. Now, of course, be okay. Despite um, your, your name and your location, you're more than just a mid-continent Oklahoma, right? So uh, 99 billion in assets under management and administration. So why is energy still a key priority for BOK? So, Len, you may be familiar with this, but mm -hmm. our lineage really began with the oil and gas sector. Mm -hmm. uh, the company was founded, the bank was founded in 1910 by oil industry professionals, and we've never moved away from that sector. In a way, you may say that energy, specifically oil and gas, is in our DNA. And we remain committed to this sector. But I will say that that commitment is not arbitrary or merely the result of our lineage or being based in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. We have got one of the largest petroleum engineering staffs of any bank that lends to this space. And when you look at our energy lending business in conjunction with our hedging services, and our energy investment bank, we're providing services on par with the largest money center banks in the sector. And so there truly is a commitment to the sector and a high level of expertise, which allows for a high level of comfort with the asset class, which is why we're able to continue doing business with their partner, with our partners in the industry during you know, these volatile times. I wonder if I can just follow up there. Um, you know, obviously, oil and gas is a, is a is a big part. It's essential. It's for for you guys, for us. You know, me interviewing a lot of people watching here. Uh, are you exploring other sectors at all in terms of you know? Obviously, when we talk, I won't. You know, not necessarily any specific whether it's renewables or biofuels or whatever. You know, just wondering if you're getting into any other sectors besides. So, Len. We've continued yeah. to look for opportunities to participate with the industry when it comes to renewables over the years. This has not been something new for us since mm -hmm. pandemic. However, we have not found really in a sizable way the opportunity for us to do so. We okay. continue to look at that, but for us, we want to be sure that number one, we can provide value and add value uh, to our clients' efforts. And we just haven't found the right opportunity for that yet, but it is something that we continue to discuss internally and with our partners in the space. So it sounds like the capital story for oil and gas still has a long way to go. We're not anywhere close to being finished yet, so. I think not. All right, wonderful. Jason, uh, thank you for being here. Uh, hopefully I'll see you when I'm up in Oklahoma shortly and we can talk some more. But um, for everybody, I just want to say thank you again. Thank you for being here. Len, thank you very much. I look forward to catching up soon. For more hard energy videos, follow our social media channels.